0: me, Keyshawn in the morning on 710 ESPN, KSPN Los
1: Angeles, all new 710 LA's mega sports station 2020 2020. a year that Rams fans in Southern California knew would bring a new home it's a big day for LA, the next phase of the new era of the LA Rams is is underway underway. a palace they could call their own, and after last season ended without a spot in the playoffs the Rams finished the year we all look forward to the new year and the new season coming, but only a few months later the world would face an opponent that seemed to make football and sounds like this. Touchdown! a distant fantasy after a spring that saw a different type of NFL draft we hope the draft will provide a break from everyday challenges let us dream of better days and help others and a summer fighting the faceless villain the season we thought wouldn't be will be And on Sunday night, September 13th, SoFi Stadium makes its debut. This is the Rams 2020 preview special on 710 ESPN. Brought to you in part by SoFi. SoFi, get your money right. Travis Rogers and Kirk Morrison bring you the sights and sounds of today's Rams scrimmage inside SoFi. And look ahead to the kickoff of Rams football in 15 days. Hi, this is Sean McVeigh of your LA Rams. Hi, this is Cooper Cup of your Los Angeles Rams. Hi, this is Jared Goff of your LA Rams. The Rams play here.
2: Goff, second and goal. Bootlegs out to his left. Throws. It's Higby in for the touchdown. Hi,
1: this is Aaron Donald for the Los Angeles Rams. And he is sacked, Aaron Donald. Now, inside the brand new SoFi Stadium, here's Travis Rogers and Kirk Morrison.
2: It felt like it may never get here, but it is football season. We are talking football in the brand new SoFi Stadium, my friend Kirk Morrison. And I, I. what an incredible sight to look at. I know that you had a chance to be out here last week, and this is my first look at this incredible place. And... I, I've texted this to a couple of my friends already. It literally feels like you walk into a video game. It doesn't <laughs> quite feel real. Yeah. It doesn't quite feel like something like this could even exist. What a remarkable, amazing new stadium to play in.
0: Uh, I think you mentioned that you walk in, and it's just like this is the palace, right? The new Southern California palace so that you walk in, and it's it's a actual football stadium. It, it has all the feels of it, right? You can hear the the music booming. You can see the, the field looks as green as I've ever seen grass. I know it's artificial, but man, <laughs> yeah. that is a green artificial <laughs> surface there. Uh, I mean, just the seating. It, look, there's not a bad seat in the house. It seems like no matter where you sit at in this stadium, you're going to get a great vantage point for for football. And just to see those colors of the Rams right now, those brand new colors. It, it. I know the Rams have been in Los Angeles for the last four years, Travis, but I can tell you this feels brand new. It's almost like a new team that we're seeing here in 2020. And, just to see this brand new stadium again travis i'm almost at a loss for words i didn't think this was possible and it is possible it,
2: it, it is and sean mcvay and his coaching staff just came out onto the field a couple of minutes ago we're getting ready for a scrimmage which is going to start in just a little bit less than two minutes from right now kirk we're looking at this amazing video board 360 <laughs> degrees right. inside and out we see the players inside the tunnel they're getting ready to come out and like you said this feels new. You and I, we've done every single Rams game since they've come back from uh, St. Louis. We've Correct. been here for all the preseason. We don't get a preseason this year. This is a little different, but with the new uniforms, with the new stadium, we got a lot of new players. we got a lot of new coaches. I think you're right. The word for this is brand new, and it's not just the building. It's almost everything about it.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's also, too, Travis, it's like a, what I say a new beginning, it, it, it truly is that because I think for us, we knew some of the players before, right? We knew Aaron Donald. We knew Jared Goff. But now it's like we've seen the, the new Rams who are going to take us into, we think, the next decade, right? You're starting to see, you know, new running backs who've been taken, tight ends, wide receivers. It's just, you know, Jalen Ramsey. I, I, I could throw a, many different names, but it's it's honestly our team now, right? You remember when it first came? It was like that honeymoon period where, okay, they're the Rams. Getting to know them. You're getting to know them a little bit. Remember when everybody was – you know, all about Todd Gurley and I understand. It was it, it's he was the number well, one. We'll talk guy. about Todd quite a bit today,
2: I think. Well Todd's name will definitely come up. But
0: it, it's it's crazy now to see us now, Travis, really sit back and really watch as this Rams team has done what? They've come together. We we've seen some of the younger players that they've matured and it, it, I can definitely say it's now our Rams.
2: Yeah, we're looking at it right now, and obviously we see Jared Goff. He's on the sideline, standing next to Andrew Whitworth. Some of the familiar faces, but there's also a lot of new ones. The Rams with a lot of high draft picks. We'll talk about them coming up today. Well, a whole bunch of guys, some of the faces that aren't here anymore. You mentioned Todd Gurley. Brandon Cooks, of course, is gone. Then on the other side of the ball, you've got some guys that are down the road as well. You've got Corey Littleton who is gone. You've got Dante Fowler who is gone. You, you know, he wasn't here very long, but guys like Clay Matthews are gone down the road. So a whole bunch of new faces, a whole bunch of guys competing for job. So this is a brand new season. This is a brand new environment, obviously, that we're talking about. It was funny. When the guys were out here warming up early, Kirk, I saw Cooper Cup uh, catching a couple of balls, and you could tell he was kind of figuring out the sun. And, and th- I mean, This is about when these games are going to start, right? It's yes. 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Mo- more often than not, Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock, this is when these games are going to start. And just finding this new building, you know, you think of baseball and you learn yeah. the little nooks and crannies of the walls and the foul territory and all these things, but kind of the same idea I would imagine as a football, too, like where, where, sightlines just as a that's wide receiver, right. sightlines as a quarterback, sightlines as a defensive back, and just figuring out the lay of the land in your new house. I think you mentioned it,
0: sightlines. That, that's the word. It's a perfect word that you use in order to, um, to really understand what a lot of guys are going to go through early on when they try to get acclimated to the stadium. You mentioned wide receivers. The way that the ball is going to look, it's a lot different than when you were – At the L.A. Coliseum. Same thing with the kicker situation. Mm. I know it's something that we're going to get into as well. With no Greg Zerline, he follows the old or former special teams coach, John Bones Fossil, to the uh, Dallas Cowboys. And so the Rams are going to have pretty much still a kicking audition. But those kickers, they have to figure out what those sight lines are going to be for them. Right, Travis? Um, I know from talking to different kickers, and I would say, hey, tell me what's your sight line. They will say, well, Kirk, I, I look at the Coca-Cola signage right here, and I'm aiming for the, the O in Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, I understand. Which so now <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It <laughs> depends, right? You want to make sure you kick them straight, Travis, seriously. But it would be interesting to see that we have – I'm looking straight ahead, and I see this big, giant SoFi Stadium. It's mm-hmm. right above the second tier of seats, and you would think are the kickers aiming for the middle where it says SoFi Stadium. It's those types of sight lines that I think you want to get that done today, right? You want to understand, hey, how is this going to be? Because this is the last time that they will be here until September 13th when you kick it off for real against the Dallas Cowboys.
2: Yeah, that's coming up in 15 days. It, and it feels weird to even say it, Kirk, because typically you and I would have done a couple of shows out at Irvine Training Camp. Typically Correct. you and I would be getting ready right now for the final preseason game of of, of the, the exhibition season, and then all of a sudden we're into it and you've kind of got to know all these guys All of that is gone. All of that has not happened for anybody inside the NFL. This is the the new normal, I guess, is the phrase that we've heard 10,000 times since we've entered this this new uh, pandemic and since we've entered this environment where social distancing is just a part of our lives. But one of the other things about sidelines that I want to get into... What's it going to be like as a player? I mean, you played in this league for a long time. The, right. the emotion that comes along with it is, is, is part of the reason we love this sport as much as we do. That the, the, the energy of 90,000 people, the energy that the players draw from 100,000, 90,000 people jumping on their feet and giving it. What is it going to be like for these guys to, have one, not have any fans in the stands to start with, and two, not even had the opportunity of a preseason to get used to playing in front of no fans?
0: I think to, to answer the preseason first, I think that every guy down there on the field right now that's taking place in in this scrimmage right now, Travis, they can tell you uh, they went through the college ranks. There was no preseason games. It was just how we're watching right now. It was a scrimmage and once the scrimmage was over, you got ready for week one in the college football season. Now, some schools would definitely schedule an opponent. Usually,
2: yeah, they'll get a de facto preseason, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, they they would schedule probably a, a, a an opponent that was probably a less than for sure, right? Maybe a, a lower level opponent. Montana's the your, Montana's of the universe. Well, hey, Montana plays good football.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Alabama,
0: right? But <laughs> but you always would see that, right? I think you know people at home would see USC take on like a Fresno State or Nevada to kind of start the season where. Look, you felt that you know we've got more talent, that in the end, of the, at the end of the day we could find a way to win our first game and kind of get the bugs out early on. That won't be the case here with the NFL, but I think that guys are going to have to rely on what they did in college, Travis. Just understand that, look, I want to make sure that I get to, number one, week one healthy. That's the number one thing. And I think we've seen the Rams so far look fr- uh, pretty healthy throughout this training camp. But the energy part, Travis, that's going to be tough. Um, fans are part of the game. They're part of the fabric of the NFL culture. And not having fans is it's going to be difficult. It really is, Travis, because you know, you make a big play, you you look for the fans, it's the roar of the crowd. Not having that, it's going to be different. It will be difficult. I will say that, Travis. I'm not gonna lie, but it does it has an advantage for the offense though. Because now the offense doesn't have to worry about crowd noise when they go on the road. Same thing for defensive guys, but you kind of you were fueled by that on third down all that is will now be taken away so it'll be interesting to see how these teams adapt to that
2: so we're looking at the scrimmage right now we've seen jared goff complete a couple of passes to robert woods so far we saw malcolm brown get the first carry um no hitting obviously like you mentioned you want to make sure that everybody stays nice and healthy for that first game but let's go back to the to what you were talking about before in the emotion does the offense have an advantage over the defense? You mentioned the noise, but just I mean, football's about emotion. Football's about playing hard. Football's about a lot of different things, but an emo- emotion is a big part of that, and just getting that pop, that adrenaline that comes along with the opening kickoff and everything, and just when it's like this, I mean, wh- how many, I don't know how many people are in the building right now, maybe a thousand total in a place that holds you know, <laughs> upwards of a hundred thousand, so it, it, it's just a very different environment, and you can, I'm, I'm, we're a ways away from the field here, but it almost feels like you could eavesdrop on the huddle. It's yeah. just a really different environment. Yeah, it's it's very quiet. And I want
0: to see how does that happen um, when the actual regular season starts, especially one of the big things of just sports in general is Uncle Mo, which is momentum. Mm-hmm. And you can feel it. And you know when your team is actually in it, they're coming back. There's a sense that the fans understand it. And I've always said this, and no offense to the NBA, no offense to the NHL, Major League Baseball, but the NFL fan is the smartest fan there is because it's, it's something to the NFL fan that they understand when it's time to cheer, when it's third down, when it's not time to cheer, when it's time to be quiet. That's what I always felt, and not having that aspect of the game is just going to be difficult for teams to have to deal with.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a new environment. It's the same thing that everybody's going to have to deal with along the line. Kirk and I are here at the just unbelievable brand new SoFi Stadium. SoFi, get your money right. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about everything there is to talk about, Kirk. We're going to fit every preseason game. We're going to fit every Rams training camp into today's show. And we're going to start about that opening game that you mentioned against the Dallas Cowboys coming up 15 days from right now. That's coming up next. Kirk and I will be right back.
1: The Rams 2020 Preview Special. Rams football is back. Getting you pumped for the kickoff of the 2020 season. Sunday night, September 13th, in primetime against the Dallas Cowboys. And it'll go down inside the new palace in Inglewood, SoFi Stadium. The Rams 2020 Preview Special. Brought to you in part by SoFi. SoFi, get your money right. Back inside the brand new SoFi Stadium. It's Travis Rogers and Kirk Morrison.
2: All right, the Rams going through a scrimmage here on a Saturday afternoon at SoFi Stadium. Kirk, we saw Jared Goff just a minute ago throw a touchdown pass to Robert Woods. We've seen the parade of Rams kickers go out there, and this is one of the positions that is wide open. We're trying to figure out exactly who that's going to be 15 days from now when they take on the Dallas Cowboys. Before we get to that Cowboy game that's coming up, we'll talk about the schedule today as well, because the beginning part of that schedule is no joke. They (laughs) They get the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football to start the whole thing. That's two weeks from tomorrow. Right. Then they go to the East Coast two weeks in a row. They go play the Philadelphia Eagles, a presumptive playoff team. You go play the Buffalo Bills, who were a playoff team a year ago. Maybe they might might, might win the division for the first time in forever right. now that Tom Brady is down the road. We'll <laughs> see about that. Right. So back-to-back road games in the East Coast. Then they come home to take on the Giants. And then they got two more road games on the back end of that against Washington and San Francisco. So a really tricky schedule right out of the gates. Let's start with this, though. Watching the scrimmage right here. And obviously, no tackling, no hitting. Right. You mentioned college football. You mentioned that these guys have all played college football and they've gone through the routine of not ha- having exhibition seasons. But what about not tackling to the ground either at all or very, very little? You were a defensive player. Yeah. What's that going to be like when all of a sudden comes Sunday night, two weeks from now, all of a sudden you've got to get Ezekiel Elliott on the ground? You haven't tackled anybody in a year. I think the veterans, they understand it.
0: Like, you know when to turn it on and turn it off. I think the younger guys, right? You're talking about your first, second third-year players, those are the ones that I think are going to have a difficulty because the one thing I can tell you when I came in as a rookie, you didn't know how big a guy was until the actual game started, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa. Like Damn. for me, that first guy <laughs> yeah. was, uh, you know, game one was Corey Dillon, right? And I was like, you can Welcome watch, him. Like, yeah, you can watch <laughs> him on television. You're like, oh, he's all right. And yeah. all of a sudden you look and all of a sudden you're like squaring or squaring him up. You're like, this dude is actually pretty darn big, he's about 230 pounds. But at the end of the day, your emotion, your adrenaline takes over. And tackling is what? Getting a guy to the ground. And it's, and I've always been taught this, Travis. Tackling is want to. Mm-hmm. It's all about want to. Like when you want to go tackle somebody, you, you mean it. You want to go down and get them down to the ground. Now, if you want to kind of tiptoe and maybe put a hand on them, push them, that's when bad tackling happens. So, look, it's going to be poor tackling no matter what to start a season. It usually is that way. But it's about what do you do in your off time? How do you go out and, and perfect your tackling? Because even during a regular NFL season, you don't get tackling practice. It's just not what you do. Mm-hmm. So it's going off to the side, Travis, is finding you an, uh, a tackling dummy and, and just forming it up, trying to do as much as you can. You get a little – they got one of those big, giant soft pads that you can put down, Travis. You could do that and do it as much as you want, right? But you have to figure out ways in which to get your technique down in tackling. But, again, it's all about want to.
2: Yeah, it's, it's got to be a totally different dynamic when all of a sudden, because it's want to on the other side, too. He doesn't want to get taken to the <laughs> right. ground. He, he wants to keep it going, so that's a whole other thing. What, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge because this is unusual? Be, you know, some guys obviously are going to be rookies, and this is right. more familiar to them, having no preseason games. But for veteran players, for guys that have been through this a bunch of times and do hang, you know, and the, the Rams are kind of in a, not an entirely unique situation, but a little bit so. We've seen how Sean McVay has handled the preseason the last couple of years, where guys like Jared Goff don't play during the preseason or they play very very sparingly what's the biggest challenge for not just the players but the coaching staff as all well? not having an opportunity to see your guys against other guys whether it's in an exhibition season whether it's one of those joint practices i know you and i have spent a lot of time talking about how valuable those are to get to yeah. see your guys against their guys
0: i think offensively is not as much um because the rams have this is their fourth year under sean McVay, and you think about the starters the returning starters that they have Obviously, the quarterback, Jared Goff, Tyler Higby, tight end. Look, uh, Andrew Whitworth has been here the entire time with with, uh, with Coach Sean McVay. Same thing, I think, with you know Rob Havenstein. Now, there's a little mixing of the offensive line that we'll see because last year it was an area of concern. Injuries for the first time hit Sean McVay's offensive line, and so they had to employ a lot of young players this year. I think the offensive line is better. I think it's those guys are the ones that are going to need the early baptism right they're going to be the guys who need to get out there and get the you know get the chemistry going because that's something that we know was an area of concern last week but offensively travis i don't have much of a concern because the offensive philosophy the offensive names the terminology they're all the same and now they have an offensive coordinator in kevin o'connell who can help them out as well kind of get that verbiage and spread the message that being said defensively now a little bit different now yeah Because you still don't know what you have. And you mentioned it to start the program, how many guys the Rams lost on this defense. You mentioned it, no Dante Fowler, no Clay Matthews, no Corey Littleton. Remember Eric Weddle? He retired. Let's not forget about Nikhil Roby Coleman, who played in the slot.
2: You and I talked about him year after year after year about how valuable he was. He could go in that slot. He could go outside. And that dude just had a nose for the ball. It seemed every time we turned around, Nicole, (laughs) Nicole Roby Coleman had the ball in his hands. Does
0: it feel like last year when this season started? That <laughs> it feels does, like a long time ago. Because you remember it was a Tlaib to leave and Marcus Peters where you're starting yeah. cornerbacks right. from Los Angeles Rams. Those guys are not here as well. So you're talking about a bunch of new players, okay, that are now here who to me are are trying to figure this thing on out. And it's easy when you're going against what? Your team. Yeah. When you're going against your offense. That's the hardest part though, Travis, is that when the season starts it's the communication that needs to be talked about in terms of what the Dallas Cowboys may present. Everyone knows their offense. Everyone knows their defense, schemes, philosophies, what to do. But do you know what the NFL is about? It's processing information when what you thought was going to be. Now all of a sudden changes. That's what the NFL is about because we know what you're doing. But guess what? We're going to switch it up and see. Can you counter?
2: Well, that's how we talked about so many different coaches. The good ones relative to the guys that are maybe not at that same level is that is what do you do when the other guy does something different? I have a plan going into every game, and sometimes the game plan is exactly right and it's executed perfectly, and everything goes according to exactly as expectations. And then there is okay, we had a game plan and it started out okay, but then all of a sudden they instead of doing A, they started doing B. How do I get ready to stop B (laughs) when I've been spending all my time getting ready to stop A? I want to go back uh, to something you mentioned. Go. Yeah. About that offensive line. We've watched the, the beginning of the scrimmage here, and so far, with the, with the group of starters that we've talked about, it, it's an offensive line that I think if you and I at the end of the season just would have guessed of what it might have been, this would be roughly what it is. Going from left to right, you've got Andrew Whitworth at left tackle, you've got Joe Noteboom at left guard, Austin Blythe over the ball, Austin Corbett to his right at right guard, and then on the far right side, you've got Rob Havenstein. Those are the five guys that they had out there to start today. Do you think that that is going to be the starting lineup when we go to Sunday Night Football against the Cowboys?
0: Yeah, I think this is the first unit that they've been working with throughout training camp. So I think everybody's kind of has a sense that this is the guys that they're going to work with. Um, I mean, Andrew Whitworth, you know, he, you know, I talked to him earlier this week and he was saying, look, there's a reason why he signed another contract because he felt like this offensive line has a lot to prove this year because they did have so many guys who came through. And he, being the elder statesman, he wants to make sure that whenever he decides to walk away from the game, that he leaves this Rams offensive line intact because they've got a lot of young talent. That Coach McVay said, look, last year you hated that they had to play, but at the same time it was a blessing that they had to play because they got a ton of experience to where now you don't feel uncomfortable about putting them in the game if needed now. You have more depth, but also – you can put in some of those bigger, heavier sets now. Mm-hmm. The Rams never really had that, right? It was always 11 personnel, which yep. is three wide receivers, one tight end. But guess what now, Travis? If you have these offensive linemen that you trust to go into a game, you may see some heavy personnel. You may see this team start to get some – some some toughness and big boyness. We saw about it at the them end of the down, season yeah, last the year. They
2: started playing double tight end sets. Correct. We saw Evans and Edwards play really well towards the end of last season. And you got to wonder how long that if because let's go all the way back to the beginning of last season. The Rams' offensive line, to put it bluntly, was not very good. They right. really struggled up front, and it took them a few games. And it really wasn't coming. Then all of a sudden there were injuries. You started yep. to lose guys. Evans and Edwards come in, and I remember you and I sitting there looking at it and saying. Okay, yeah. get ready. And, you know, at the beginning, not great, but after a couple of weeks, it really solidified. In the last half of that season, the Rams offensive line was pretty good, and yet we're back to the way it started a year ago. They led the
0: league in terms of sacks giving up. They only gave up 22 sacks. And we're talking about, wow, this offensive line was poor last year. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was different. Now, there were some turnovers from the quarterback, who I now, I believe, that won't hold on to the ball as little bit, as, but we'll as get long as they did last too. year. <laughs> um, but... I think what they learned last year as an offensive group, for me, I think is now that they have trust. They have trust with Sean McVay. They, they, they can now make some calls. and Look, Travis, when they get inside the five-yard line, I, there is no getting to this 11 personnel. Let's get mm-hmm. cute. I think, no, let's get some big boy pads on and let's try to run the football You know, down the opposing team's throat. Let's, let's do that now. Let's get tougher. Because I think when you look at San Francisco, that's what they want to do. You look at Seattle, that's what they want to do. They want to big boy you. Same thing, I think that Arizona, they're going to try to do that as well because you have to have some type of physicality about you, and I think that's what the offensive line gives them now because there's not a lot of unproven guys. It's guys who
2: have played and will play. All right, we'll go to the other side of the ball, the defensive line. Nobody better to have to talk about that than DeMarco Farr, who will join us next on the Rams 2020 Preview Special on 710 ESPN. Well, Sean McVay still sounds like Sean McVay. I think he's going to be sounding like that for as long as he is around for sure. SoFi Stadium, I'm looking at it. Here's one of the things, guys, that you're sitting here and there's a roof, but it feels like you're sitting outside. It's just this unbelievable combination of perfect weather and a roof, and yet it feels like we're sitting outside. DeMarco Farr joining Kirk hey. and myself here at SoFi Stadium as well. SoFi, get your money right. And DeMarco, you've been in here a few times. This is my first time since it's been done. Your initial impressions of this unbelievable facility.
3: Oh, gorgeous. I mean, I, we've we gone overboard, and it's all deserved about this stadium and how cool it is, the video boards, the ribbon that goes around, the way it looks, I think I described it like as an Air Jordan shoe. It's beautiful, but functional <laughs> at the same time. I mean, you can spend all day looking at it and you can plan it the same way. Um, doesn't it give you kind of a Manhattan beach feel, beach house feel? Sorta, you know. It, well, it's airy and pool there's a and, the and yeah. there's a roof. It's, it's yeah. I, well, I'd like to live here. Yeah, I don't know if I mean. there's apartments yeah. anywhere in here that I might yeah. be able to get my but hands on, but I'm all about it. Absolutely gorgeous. A, a lot of pressure for the guys on the field. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know. you I mean, you got to fill this place weekend and week out, and and you got to make these people excited. You got to make them more excited about you and what's happening on the field than everything else going on around you. And that's, believe me. And this Not building, easy. that's going to be tough. Yeah.
0: I've always said this though, Demarco. When you have a new stadium, what does it always do for the opponents? Oh, Super Bowl. <laughs> they, they they get excited too. Yeah. They 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 want to come in and and rain on your parade at the new party. I know. Yeah. I remember in two thousand nine, we got to um, actually no two thousand ten when I was with the Jacksonville Jaguars, we got a chance to go to AT and T when it was first built. Oh and yeah. When you walked in, you were like, oh my god, the video board, oh. just everything and. You know the, the sweets at the ground level. It was like, wow, how beautiful! But it was like, no, let's go in here, and let's go. T- let's go make sure we we, we come out victorious. Uh, I had some more choice words I would say, but I can't do it because this I is a you, Disney company. I but, man, I'm Disney you, Radio.
3: we we about to, do it. to take over this house. We That's used basically. To do it in high school. When we play our rival, we'd beat them, and we'd show up at their parties. Right. We did it in college. <laughs> we, we'd find out where Washington State, where all their players were, and we'd go hang out at their places. Cornfield. You know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, look, it's the same deal. I mean, yes. you, you're going to want to ruin the party for everyone else. But, I mean, right. you have to expect that. But I don't think this is going to be the Dallas Cowboys when when Wade was in charge then. You know, I think Minnesota and Zim, they handled it great. Now, it wasn't as opulent as this, but, I mean, they handled that opening very well, and they kicked some butt butt in that stadium. So I think Sean McVay and getting these guys in here early so they can kind of take it all in and and make it be – how do you say that? Uh, Not blasé, but just – you're matter not really fact. W- matter of fact. It's 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 a football field. It's 100 by 53 and you got to go win that battle. Uh, so as long as you're taking care of that business, it doesn't matter what the opponent is. It's the same thing week in and week out anyway.
2: So DeMarco Farr is joining us here we're getting we're watching the Rams scrimmage just 15 days until until the start of the season. Man. Kirk and I were talking about this earlier, DeMarco. No way. No preseason. <laughs> no hitting and no fans in the stands to start the season at least. And yeah, what do you think is going to be the hardest part about that? Because there are so many things that are different. But just watching this right now in this beautiful new stadium, there's nobody watching this. Typically, we'd be doing a preseason game right now. Typically, there'd yeah. be a real football on the field and guys getting ready for it. Where do you find the energy? Where do you find that little
3: eh, to get well, going mean, it, when there's nobody in the house? I, you, you still have your opponent right now. It's like a scrimmage situation. It is a scrimmage, so you're competing with your own guys. So. It's down there. I mean, th- there's a part of you that's dependent upon the energy of the crowd, but, I mean, you are a pro. You're a football player. You've done this before. You've been through spring when there's nobody in the stands and you got to compete, so you got to bring your A game. But, you know, it's. I-, I was thinking, I was talking with JB and Maurice earlier, and I-, I get nervous because there's no way you can be ready to play full go with a camp like this, right? But then the one thing that gives me pause is, everybody's going through it so no one's really going to be ready to play you know really really honed in on their football their contact and everything and tackling to the ground it's not it's going to be a shock for a lot of people week one so um but the one thing that does give me pause or settles me down is the Dallas Cowboys and all of your opponents are going through the exact same thing you are right now. Trying to get ready for live go football when you've been in pads, what, five days? (laughs) You know? And that's controlled. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, some of these guys really haven't tackled to the ground yet. And in September, it's going to be, go, go get them. And it's for real. Well, we know tackles
0: about 1-2. I was telling Travis yeah. earlier, tackle. if you want to tackle, you can go out there and tackle. It doesn't matter. You, it's like riding a bike. You just, oh, that's what that feels like again. Okay, you go out there, you just go out and do it. But that being said, though, uh, Michael Brockers returns to this team. We thought he was gone. Brock, he goes to yeah. the Baltimore Ravens, and then you know the deal didn't go through. He returns back to Los Angeles. Him and Aaron Donald still, that, that little chemistry that they have between those two how important is it having Brockers back when you do have so much, I, I would say, transition within that
3: defensive line slash outside linebacker rush group? I don't know who's happier, Brock, to be back because this is where he was drafted. This, I mean, He didn't want to go anyplace, you know. Right. He wanted to stay here. Or Aaron because you've got your partner in crime. Uh, Aaron is good. Aaron can be good with just about anybody. I think that's fair to say, right? He's one of the best players, if not the best player in the game. But I think Michael Brockers being out there allows Aaron to be Aaron more in other words if he sees something michael sees what he sees i know what aaron's going to do and i can cover for him you know what i mean i could do certain things within the calls uh if uh if if aaron sees he's got a pulling guard in front and you know aaron's going to try to jump that and make a big play in the backfield well michael instinctively will cover him you know take some smoke off his rush or stay at home longer than necessary so that aaron can be aaron and he'll clean up the mess but I think it's huge having him back. Uh, You know, when you see Brock walk by, um, I know Aaron's impressive. Very impressive. He's got no body fat. But right right there behind him, getting off the bus, you know, Michael Brockers will scare a lot of people with the way he looks. And, you know, he's the... The as first defensive team end team. nose tackle I've ever seen that wears skinny jeans. <laughs> you know? Very true. Yeah, Very true. I've never seen that before. So, I mean, he's he's a big put together guy and he's an ultimate pro.
2: I don't know, man. You look like you might be able to pull it
3: off. There's no way. Well, I mean, if I'm wearing skinny jeans, it's not because I bought them, it's just because they I turned ate too into much. skinny jeans. They turned into skinny jeans. I understand. Jeans. I have a yeah. few of those in my closet
2: as well, DeMarco. DeMarco Farr joined us here. Rams having a scrimmage out on the field. We're doing the Rams 2020 preview special. Now, you mentioned Aaron Donald. You and I were doing a, a show a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about Aaron Donald when that commercial from the NFL Network comes on, and he's doing those crunches with the medicine balls on his feet, and it just makes me want to curl up the uh, ball and die. <laughs> can, can Aaron Donald be better than he has been? Because we're talking about a guy that's at the very top, like you mentioned. Yeah. Not, not only one of the best at his position, he's one of the best players, if not the best
3: player in the entire league. When you're that guy, how do you get better than that? He's improving mentally, and everybody goes through this. Kirk, I'm sure you went through this. You went through this in baseball. When the game slows down for you. Yeah. I mean, he's physically better than everyone else. We've seen that. And now you can't fool him. You couldn't fool him before, but now he's more dialed in mentally than ever before. How they're trying to block him, what the schemes are. And he can instantly tell you, like when Peyton Manning used to argue with Jeff Saturday on the bench about protections. He can argue the same thing about protections against him on the bench. This is what they're doing. This is how they're beating me. This is what we should do to beat it. This should free me up. So... He's getting that NFL knowledge, and like you said, as a specimen, as a talent, he's already great. So, yeah, he can take it up another notch. The only thing he hasn't done yet that would truly impress me is score. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it. You know, I mean, yeah. but everything else, I mean, playing the the run schemes. Uh, when you single him up, and this is a D-line thing. If I'm singled up, I must win. Well, he does that. Uh, when he's doubled, be active. He still beats double teams. So just about everything you ask a tackle to do, he's doing that and then more. And then you add the linebacker safety's mentality to the analysis of what the offense is doing to that. I mean, yeah, he can get better. The the numbers will get better.
0: Yeah, I don't want to bury the lead that the Rams do have a brand-new defensive coordinator in Brandon Staley <laughs> who has coached under Vic Fangio over the last couple of years when they were in Chicago and in Denver. Um, he was the outside linebacker's coach, so this is his first time calling plays at the National Football League level. I know he did it in college, but DeMarco, um, how do you think he utilizes this Rams unit? Because you mentioned we know about Aaron. We know about Michael Brockers, but he's got some other guys on that second level of defense, right? Some linebackers who didn't play much while they were here over the last yeah. couple of years. And in a secondary, uh, that they don't have an Eric Weddle, They don't have the Roby Coleman. They don't have the Marcus Peters and the Keith sleeve of last year. So when you come in as Brandon Staley as the new defensive coordinator, how do you put together a defensive plan around, these, around this
3: unit? Well, I mean, there were, what, four guys that ran a 3-4 uh, that were kind of similar. Ray Horton, Minuski, Fangio, and there was one other guy. Mm. Uh, and it just, it, it just reminds me, Vic Fangio, the way he called his defenses, depending on what he had. And go back to Arizona with Ray Horton, yes. when they had a middle linebacker that almost led the league in sacks, Darrell Washington, Washington, yes. So, I mean, depending on what you have, if you've got some stay-at-home linebackers that can play the run, then you let them sit there and play the run. If you've got some light-in-the-pants guys or guys that are learning, then you program them and you send them more often than not. We are cross-dogging. We're going to put the onus on the offense to stop us. We are moving. You know, so I think the difference between Wade Phillips and going to Staley is I think Wade played it kind of vanilla or base on first down and then got exotic on third down. Right. I think it might be the opposite here. You may get exotic on first down, on the rundowns, try to hit some people for loss, and then when it's second and long, third and long, you don't do anything and let Aaron do his, his business. You know what I mean? And let the guys get around the outside. But I think you're going to have to tailor it to what you have. And this is going to be, it's, it's, it's fun to talk about these problems because they're they're champagne problems. I know McVeigh says that a lot. But who are you going to tailor your call to in those key downs, those third and longs when you need to get off the field. Am I going to call it so Aaron can get home, or am I going to call it to fit Jalen? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, y- yeah, And that's, yeah. that's a battle that goes
0: on. I will yeah. I will throw this in there, that he has had to, work, I mean, the last couple of years, he's worked with Khalil Mack yeah. in Chicago. Last year, Von Miller. I would dial it up think, so they can up, get home yeah. on third down. I would dial it up for, for Aaron Donald.
3: But if he had a guy like Jalen Ramsey who can cover for six, seven, eight, ten seconds against anybody, maybe I'll dial it up different. So yeah. it just depends on who you're playing. Like if you're playing Arizona and you got deandre hopkins it may be a little bit different but yeah, yeah i don't love but i would i would tend division. to go towards to, i would tend to lean towards aaron against just about anybody you hey, know
2: what he, i mean he could stay in the afc on the <laughs> other
3: side if he to. i'm not real thrilled to see deandre
2: hopkins be a regular part of our nfc west life last one before we let you go to marco we kirk and i were talking about this earlier dante fowler is gone cory littleton is gone the Akib talib marcus peters are gone eric Weddle is gone clay matthews jr is gone a whole bunch of guys from that defensive side of the ball who's going to be the most difficult player
3: to replace Littleton. Uh, To me, Corey Littleton, because uh, I think he was described as water. Uh, And they were talking about his special team's ability to get in there and block a punt. Kirk, you're a middle backer, right? Yes, oh yeah. How many punts have you blocked in your life? Uh, Zero. Okay, so (laughs) I mean, I've never seen a middle backer that had the ability to actually rush a punt and block it, so that tells you what type of athlete, and he's whip smart. You know, he could line things up. To this be- isn't a Husky thing that you're going for. No, no. no just, I mean, he's, very, <laughs> he's very quiet. You think he's an introvert, but he's very analytical. He's one of those guys that's dial in, and plus he's got a lot of dog in him. So that's going to be tough to replace. I think John Johnson III was missed last year. So I think you'll get to see that leadership with him on the field this year. All right,
2: DeMarco will be on the sidelines for all the games this season as well. It's good to see you for the first time in a while. Good to see you, It's yes. to be back out here with everybody all over again. When Kirk and I come back, we're going to go to the other side of the ball. We're going to talk a little offense and how much can we expect from Jared Goff here in this brand new building. That's all coming up on the Rams 2020 Preview Special on 710 ESPN. So we're looking at the Rams in a red zone situation here. Kirk, we've got Jared Goff. The ball is on, what would that be? That's on the seven-yard line right now. So a little red zone offense for the Rams coming up on their scrimmage day today here. Um, What's it like in in these scrimmages? Obviously, you're going against your own guys. It's not a game that's a little bit of a different format. We're not tackling How much of an evaluation, if you're a coach, can you get looking at this? And how much, as a player, do you get, okay, I'm doing this pretty well, but I need to work on this, when the intensity and just the formatics of it are so different?
0: I think for the veterans, it's always a little bit easier because you're just kind of doing – you're making your checklist, right? You're just checking the boxes. So you go through your red zone. You go through your backed up. You're going to go through your in-between the 30s. You're going to go – you know, how are you going to do with the goal line coming up if this ball goes inside the five-yard line? I think it's just, just basically checking the boxes on, hey, these are the plays that we like. Kind of get used to this, fellas. Get used to these play calls because this is what you're going to get throughout the game. So um, I understand that part of it. But then also, too, with the scrimmages, you just kind of want to get into a flow. Everybody knows where they're going. Everybody knows where they're stepping. Those are the types of things that you can get done. For the younger guys, though, this the scrimmage is way more important because this is the evaluation. This is can you run our defense? Can you run our offense? Can we trust you? We don't have the preseason games, Travis. And those were big, big evaluations for not just the coaches but the player personnel department. Can this guy fit within our offense or our defensive scheme? How is he on special teams going against another guy? And so these are – this is going to be a different NFL season because around the board or around the league, I would say, a lot of teams don't, you don't know what's going on, right? So you're not, you don't see a lot of the player movement, right? There's going to be some cuts coming up in the next couple of weeks, and, you know, teams are going to have to get down to 54, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's a 54 man roster with. An extra guy or 16 guys on the roster for your practice squad. So, about 70 guys, and there's 80 out here. Yeah. So, 10 guys are going to be gone. So, then you think about around the league how is that going to be? How's that going to work out? Can the Rams see if they want to, you know, find another guy who can help them out maybe along the defensive front or maybe along the in the secondary? It's just a lot. But the evaluation is right now with the scrimmage, and you're trying to get your players, especially the ones who you don't necessarily know. You're trying to get them as many of these reps in which they are at stress, where they're just how they operate in an offense or a defensive scheme that may not be what they have done in the last couple of years. Okay,
2: so they've run a handful of plays down here inside the red zone like we're talking about. Um, a couple of the plays ended with Jared Goff just throwing the ball away. Let's start right there. Right, Throwing the ball away that Jared Goff is coming off a year where his touchdowns went down, his interceptions went up after coming off of a season where he led this team to an NFC Championship game and a Super Bowl. This is his fifth year in the NFL. This is where... I think you would expect him to be more comfortable, not not unlike what we were talking about with DeMarco there, where the game just kind of slows down and you start to understand. Is that at the top of the list as you see it, as far as Jared Goff's development into continuing to become a high-level NFL quarterback, that those sorts of decisions, those sorts of decisions, I should say, knowing when it's over, knowing when to put the ball in the fifth row, knowing when to get down on the ground. You and I have talked about it so many times that he holds onto the ball, he's trying to make something happen, which is a good idea until the ball gets knocked out of your hands and the other team Picks it up.
0: But I think Jared Goff is a senior now. Okay, he's a senior. He's a senior in Sean McVay's offense. Right, it, it's his fourth year. The first year he was entry level freshman, and we saw him have some success. And the Rams won a division title that year. Okay, second year, sophomore year, even better. They go to a Super Bowl, like you mentioned. Then last year, the third year in McVay's offense, he struggled a little bit. And I think a lot of that. I can spread blame to everyone. I'm not going to put it all on Jared. I thought we expected more from Jared, especially because he signed the big contract in the offseason. Yep. And so I think we expected Jared to take this leap from the first three seasons okay, of, of his you know football career, and all of a sudden we wanted him to be Tom Brady and Drew Brees, and that just wasn't the case because there's things that go along with that. He didn't have a 100% tie girly, so I thought the offense was already hampered by that. And then we talk about the offensive line. And I thought that Jared trusted in that offensive line way more than I know me and you did. And it forced him to be hit. Ball flies out. And his turnovers went up. That's why I think now in year four, he just understands it. He gets it. He understands, hey, what Sean is thinking. What? Hey, I don't like this play, Sean. Not down here. Let's do this. He knows the audibles. He knows the looks. He knows the defensive schemes. And then, by the way, he goes and gets an offensive coordinator and Kevin O'Connell, shout out to Kevin O'Connell, by the way, my college quarterback at San Diego State. Right. He, he gets a guy who I know knows offense. And talking with Kevin a couple days, a couple weeks ago at practice, to me he just says, look, I just want to make sure Jared technique is sound every single play. So we're going to see better technique from Jared because I think a lot of the interceptions and things that he had going on was just technique. He was trying to make something happen that wasn't there and you get burned in this in this league like that. That's why I think that in his senior year, I want to call it. He's in his senior year. He's in the graduate level now of understanding Sean McVay's offense, where there's really no excuse now. I think so. It's a big year for Jared to kind of prove to everybody that last year was just a one-off.
2: So we know it's a big year for him. Here's the right. question, and and not to put too fine a point on it, but will this team go as far as Jared Goff takes them? You mentioned it. Todd Gurley was not himself last year. We could spend the next. two hours and 20 minutes that we have here talking about exactly what happened with Todd Gurley. I still don't have a real good grip on exactly what that was, but Todd Gurley just being on the field, you had to pay attention to him. Todd Todd Gurley was that guy. We know that Brandon Cooks was a guy that could get behind anybody. He's no longer here. So now with those two guys gone, Jared Goff in his senior year, like you're talking about, will this team go as far as Jared Goff takes them? That they're as good as he is?
0: Well, he has to. It's not even can they take – will he take them? It's he has to take them yeah. um, because he is the leader now. It's it's an offense now that is going to be catered around Jared Goff. He is the guy. Before, we all knew the offense went through Ty Gurley. Now you've got three different running backs in, in Akers and Brown and and um, Henderson, and those three backs are going to do things differently, right? You know Brown is a downhill physical runner. I think Akers is a guy who's got some home run ability, catching the ball out of the backfield, give you a little bit of everything. And in Daryl Henderson, it's crazy to say that we still don't know what the potential uh, that he can have within this offense. And we still might not
2: with the hamstring yeah, injury.
0: We didn't know what it looked yeah. like last year. And you mentioned he's already slowed by a hamstring injury. The receiving core is still the same, right? The same guys who Jarrett started with when McVay got here, Robert Woods, um, obviously Cooper Cup. Then you add in the Van Jefferson. Josh Reynolds was here as well. He mm-hmm. was just a guy that had to wait his turn, and now he'll be a starter, uh, I, th- I think, come you know week one. And so all of that being said, they're still going to be led by Jared Goff. He has to lead this offense. He has to take his game to another level. I think if he does that, then the Rams will have some success. But he's going to have to throw upwards of 30-plus touchdowns this year. 22 touchdowns, that's not going to get it this year. He's going to have to help this team put the ball in the end zone a lot more than he did last year.
2: You know, listening to him speak earlier in the week, and obviously last week was extraordinary for a variety of different reasons, not just of what happened in the NFL with some teams deciding not to practice, but we know that the NBA canceled their playoffs or postponed their playoffs. We know that the WNBA postponed their games. The NHL shut down. A handful of baseball games shut down. And there was a million things going on in the world, important things (laughs) But listening to Jared Goff talk about his role on this team as a leader and needing to be more outspoken in social justice issues and needing to be more outspoken on behalf of some of his teammates, it really struck me as, as really inspiring. The message aside, and not that the message needs to be pushed aside because it's important and I want to spend some time talking about it today, but just... Jared Goff being comfortable in that role and expressing himself as somebody who's a leader on this team, it really filled me with a great deal of hope for the football side of it as well, because this is somebody that you're talking about, has grown into this role, has grown into, I am the quarterback yeah. of the NFL team in Los Angeles, California. That's a big deal. This, this, Any NFL starting quarterback is a big deal. But we're opening a brand new building in the second biggest city in this country, in the entertainment capital of the world, and he's owning it finally and it really made me feel like you know what we're on to something here I think
0: he realizes not even realizes he knew back in 2016 when the Rams took him number one overall he traded away the first round picks for a couple years that he was going to be the face of the franchise now the only thing was the biggest star on the team was still Todd Gurley now when Ty Gurley uh has now departed he's in Atlanta this is Ty Gurley I mean this is Jared Goff's team no offense to Aaron Donald he's still the best defensive player in the league but in the NFL, it, you're not you're not walked out by your defensive line. It's the quarterback. It's the quarterback. He's the face of the team. I think Jared Goff now embraces that. He understands it, and you can see he's more of a vocal guy because we didn't know what his leadership skills were going to be early on because it was different. Jared Goff was kind of a quiet guy. We're like, man, I don't know if he's got it in him. And then all of a sudden, it just it happens just right away. I mean, I mean, it happens just out of nowhere. I should say. And that's where Jared is at now. He's moving himself into a situation in which he is this team's leader. People can call on him, ask him for anything, and he will be the guy leading the charge.
2: Well, we mentioned it there a little bit. Obviously, there is a lot more going on in the world right now than just the football games, the social justice movement that's taking part, that has trickled its way into the NFL as well. Kirk, I want to get your thoughts on that. That's all coming up next on the Rams 2020 preview special on 710 ESPN.